and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I am not joined in studio by Taylor Rockwell today because he's on a well-earned vacation. And I mean well-earned sincerely. Not only did his wife just study for and then take the bar exam, but Taylor's also carried a lot of the Total Soccer Show load these past few months, picking up slack while I've been doing things like chemotherapy and other fun hospital appointments. So Taylor's at the beach. You will hear from him in the middle of today's show. Before I introduce today's guest, I'm going to plug Soccer 101 one more time. Soccer 101 is our spin-off show. We're really proud of it. It had a really successful launch and it got a nice bit of promo today when it was featured in Engadget's IRL column. So big thanks to Billy Steele for listening to Soccer 101 and for writing about it. Everyone else, please be like Billy and give Soccer 101 a listen. If you like the Total Soccer Show, I'll guarantee you'll like Soccer 101 because it's basically more of the same, just with an evergreen angle. Today's guest is Nathan A. Clark, an English analyst, podcaster and writer who focuses on Spurs. If you're a Tottenham fan, I think you'll love this episode because we go deep on how Tottenham play, Pochettino's preferred shape and style, where new signing Tangi and Dombele fits in, reasons to be optimistic for the season and maybe some causes for concern. If you're not a Tottenham fan, you should still listen because that way you'll be all the more prepared and knowledgeable when their Premier League season starts this weekend. Over the next few days, you can expect similar episodes focused on the big six teams and maybe Wolves with experts we admire going deep on each of those teams. Okay, enough from just me. Let's get to some deep dive tactical Tottenham talk. So on the phone, I have Nathan A. Clark. That's what your Twitter profile says. Is that what you prefer, Nathan A. Clark? Yeah, I mean, that was just, you know, to give me a, a unique act. I see. But, uh, Nathan is fine. Bit of authorial gravitas. That's what, that's what we're yeah, going that's for, it. right? But I would, I would say that you get plenty of gravitas for the content of your tweets, which is how <laughs> I know you best. Lots of really smart insights about Tottenham um, in your tweets. That's why I wanted to talk to you to do, to do our Tottenham uh, season preview. Um, we're going to get into tactics, um, I promise. But I want to start with the emotions. I want to ask you, basically, how are you feeling about this season? Like, how's preseason gone? How confident are you feeling about Spurs this year? Um, definitely nervous right now. There's there's definitely an element of excitement. Um, I feel like that's sort of the, the foundation level is that, hey, you know, a complete season in the new stadium. Um, we, we've signed a, a megastar. Um, this is Dombele? Still, yeah, in Dombele. Yeah. Uh, yeah, who, yeah, there's a huge amount of excitement for him, and there's there's other stuff that might go over the line um, before Thursday as well. Um, so yeah, there's there's an excitement, and you know, every season that we keep Pochettino at the club <laughs> is a special season, you know. Uh, but <laughs> there are like there's still gaps, there's still there's still issues. We're we're still uh, uh, likely approaching the season without much going on at right back at all yeah and that's frustrating and it's it's a little kind of nervous and scary as well so so let's yeah. let's dig into that a little bit so um i was actually in orlando last week to watch the mls all-stars versus atletico madrid and you'll never guess who was playing right back for atletico <laughs> madrid it was mr kieran trippier um i was weirdly blindsided by that transfer i just didn't think trippier was going to be be on the move is that a player that spurs were happy to let go or is that um is that something where like he wanted to leave and Spurs couldn't hold on to him? Hmm. So, I mean, exactly what happened within the club, we can only really speculate. Certainly, most Spurs fans, myself included, were happy to let him go. Uh, certainly at the time when you would have thought that selling your first choice right back sort of precludes purchasing a replacement first choice right back right. maybe now i might sort of you know <laughs> go back and delete all of my tweets growing out trippier but um uh, he so he trippier himself alluded to a sort of uh, a behind the scenes situation that he became unhappy with um which doesn't seem to fit either his or Pochettino's character we can only speculate but my impression is what the behind the scenes issue was is that the club no longer wanted him because his not that he's a bad player but because his skill sets don't really match up to what we want from our right backs and and he was seen a surplus to requirement for that reason which leaves what Serge Aurier and uh Walker Peters 
Kyle Walker-Peters. So who who starts the season at right back, assuming that no one else is signed? Well, uh, Aurea has been injured, hasn't participated in in pre-season. He um, blew up his wrist, banging it on a table, obviously, which is incredibly (laughs) fitting of his character and why even if he was fit... Um, I would still prefer Kyle Walker-Peters. And look, I, I, Kyle Walker-Peters is a talented young player. There's lots of reasons to be positive and excited about him, but the prospect of him being our first-choice right-back going into the season when he does have a history of defensive errors, it's, it's not ideal. So this is probably just um, a case of youth, right? And maybe those errors would be ironed out in the future, but that's kind of... You don't really have room for that, right? You need to... You can't have that be your starting right-back. I mean, that's sort of the the um, catch-22 of bringing through a youth player is that you want to give them game time, but you don't want them to cost you, right? And the way to handle that is to make Kyle Capita's second choice and bring him on, you know, yeah. um, for occasional league games, for cup games, and, and breed him through that way. That's something that we failed to do over the last season and a half, which I think we definitely should have been doing. Yeah, um, yeah, because I've heard his name for a long time and mm-hmm. kind of expected the breakthrough to come or like some, you know, some minutes to come. And you, we haven't really seen significant playing time for KWP. No, and that's the thing is that it seems like we're going to go from one extreme of, you know, giving him two games a season um, to just absolutely dropping him in the deep end. Yeah. And and that's, yeah, that's not great. One one unorthodox uh, solution I, I think I saw on your Twitter timeline actually was maybe Sissoko <laughs> gets a go at right back. How... How was your tongue in your cheek when you said that? Or would you actually like to see that for the start of the season? And has that been tried? Has it been tried at all in pre-season, for example? Uh, so it, it's it's both a joke and it's also the reality of the situation because the reality <laughs> of the situation is a joke. Um, he Look, there are lots of reasons why Sissoko at right back makes sense. You can start with the issues that he has in midfield and why maybe you want to move him out of there. Spurs fans aren't going to be happy I've said that. But look, there are the further positives are that, you know, he has the 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 solutions to the problem that Trippier had, which is that Trippier is a very athletically limited player, right? Trippier is a good defender, a very good passer of the ball, a great delivery on his crosses, but he didn't have the up and down, which is what Pochettino wants from his widest players, right? So Soko definitely has that. He has that in spades, right? He's not just tall. He's not just strong. He's not just fast. He's not just got bags of stamina. He's got all of those together combined, right? He's clearly made himself very coachable, right? He also yeah. has quite a bit of experience covering out wide right behind whichever fullback's been playing. So Yeah, I've always, a- I've always been impressed with, I would call it his intelligence of when to go and double team. I see him uh, know when to leave central midfield and go and help out the right back. I saw that a lot in the, the you know seven or eight Tottenham games I really properly watched last season. Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's there's plenty of reason why playing to Soko at right back would make sense. Um, but just like with Kyle Walker-Peters, it's not something where you want to be going, well, this is our option. This is what we've committed to for the season. And if it doesn't work out, then it's going to cost us, you know, a number of points yeah. and a number of games. Um, it, Sissoko at right back could well work out. We have seen him once at right wing back and twice at left wing back I think and he might have like ended a game done the final five minutes because of a substitution at right back that sort of thing um, but it's not something that you know we've been preparing for through pre-season certainly not in the actual friendly games themselves and have there been any transfer rumors or any links with other right backs that Spurs might be signing we have been linked to um, a billion-year-old Dani Alves. Um, <laughs> he's, gone uh, back you know, to, who, he's gone back to Brazil, right? So I well, think he, he's, yeah. Sao Paulo, yeah. He, he, you know, he's a very good player, um, but like he, surely he can't keep it up for another three years or whatever. Right. Um, and then we've also been linked with a player whose name I've never said out loud, the uh, Napoli right-back who's Albanian, uh, Isai. Isai? Is- yes, I, know, I remember him from the yeah. Euros, right? He played at Euro 2016, I believe. Right. So we've been linked to him, but we've only been linked to him quite softly, quite distantly. Yeah. And he is he profiles fairly similar to Kieran Trippier. And it's like, well, what's the point in that, you know? <laughs> Ooh. And again, he's another. Sorry, he's another good player. He's another good right back, but not a tactical fit at all. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's switch to left back. Um, what's the Danny Rose situation? I-, I saw a quote from Pochettino that just basically said, I-, "I don't know about that. That's not really my job. I'm more of a coach." So what is Danny Rose staying? Is Danny Rose going? Well, it looks like he's staying. So he was left out of our initial preseason tour. 
Um, and then that sort of, we all got a bit excited about that. We all went, well, well, he's gone because that's sort of the the normal reaction, especially in Tottenham. It's like once you're half out the door, you you, you you're completely gone. Um, but it seemed like that was actually quite a relaxed situation where it's like a sure you can you can stay behind and look for clubs. And no one came in, and so he was back in for the second leg of the tour, and he's been back in since then, and he's been performing well. Um, so yeah, I think we were very much um, open to bids, but not committed in any way to selling him. So it looks okay. like we're going ahead with Davies and Rose, and we're we are continued to be linked to Ryan Sessegnon as well. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. I assumed that Sessegnon would be a sort of replacement for Danny Rose, and then if it turned out Ryan Sessegnon maybe couldn't handle it week to week, you've at least got Ben Davies, right? So, but if you sign Ryan Sessegnon, presumably as a, a left back, I know he could play left wing as well. Um, isn't it a tough situation for him to go into a three left back, a three left back setup? Yeah, I think that his, his versatility is a lot of good there because you, you can buy him and then you can decide what you want to do with him later, sort of thing. I think that likely he would probably take a little while to bed into a left back role. Uh, so you know, like with Walker Peters, like with the idea of a so-called right back, you don't want to be going right. Here's our new left back the day before the season starts. Let's go and, and sort of worry from there. Yes, you've got Davies as backup, and he's sort of a, a steady pair of feet, if you will. Um, but it's, it's still not ideal. I think that if Rose stays around another season while we continue to shop him out during the season and meanwhile Cessna Young comes in and he plays a few minutes on the left wing, he plays a few minutes on the right wing, whatever, and in training he's developing his defensive left-back skills, uh, then if he doesn't start to get serious minutes until the end of the season, there's nothing to worry about and it sets us up very well yeah. for the year after and I guess from Sessegnon's perspective he's already been and done that in the championship right he's already been and done it in the championship and you know proven that he can sort of almost dominate that division that was an entire year ago now and then he's had the experience of getting beat up every week for a very bad Fulham team (laughs) just watching the ball go in the back of the net I mean he didn't even do that badly for Fulham and considering you're absolutely right Fulham were a mess he still you know grabbed a handful of assists and uh, from a left back position as well as playing left wing so uh, I think he impressed. His stock went down, um, but I think he did very well in a in a terrible situation. I think I agree with you. Yeah, cause he was never going to do exactly the same he as he did in the Championship because it was a dominant Fulham team, which was not what was going to happen in the Premier League, right? So I'm I'm thinking from his perspective, just being a squad player at Spurs and getting a few games here and there would be a step forward in his career. So it's probably worth it from from his point of view. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so it sounds like, like you said, you're like optimistic. Obviously, like Christian Eriksen's still there. Harry Kane is obviously still there. Um, but you've got some worries about fullback and maybe a couple of other things. Um, do you expect Spurs to sort of do as well as last season? Do, or is your optimism, is your optimism they'll do as well as last season? Or maybe even are you thinking we can do better than, than we might be in the title race? I think specifically the title race depends as much on other clubs as it does on us, right? We can continue to put in 80, 85-point seasons, and whether or not that makes you change with the title or not is completely dependent on whether Liverpool and or City are, you know, stratospheric. Yeah. Um, definitely, I think that signing in Dombele does a huge amount for us, solves a midfield issue that we've had for two and a half years now, um, and, and does huge amounts for us there. But then if we, you know, solve one issue and create another one at right back. I, I think I think a hole in your right back is less of an issue than a hole in your midfield. Um but it, it's still it's still gonna drag you backwards. I, I I would expect us last season wasn't great, especially in the league. Um we lost quite a few games. I think we took a step down from the season before that. So I, I even even with an issue at right back, I would expect us to improve on last season. Um, but I don't know if we would be back to our best with our right back issue. Got it. Let's talk about um, Tangoy and Dombele. Um, first of all, how confident are you that we should be pronouncing that N? I, uh, I think it's like a soft okay. Ndombele. So, yeah, so you kind of half swallow it, so it's Ndombele. Okay, I, I'm, glad that, yeah. I'm glad we solved then, that. Or, Ndombele, I think maybe. Ndombele. There we go. There yeah. we go. I look forward to seeing uh, commentators deal with it next season. And it's, it's Tangi. 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 Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So, uh, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, £55 million from Lyon, um, French international. Um, what What have you seen? Like, how much have you seen of him? What are you What are you expecting to see from him in a Spurs shirt? Uh, I've seen quite a lot of him. I've been, I've been doing my homework. I see. Um, 
Yeah, he's he's uh, a really. It, it it feels like it's it's forced to compare him to Moussa Dembele because that's the re- player he's replacing, and because their names are quite similar, but they really <laughs> aren't a million miles apart. They're both uh, sort of a controlling box-to-box midfielder who is both physical and technical at the same time. Uh, and Dumbele is more of an expansive passer and he'll have a few more shots and goal. Um, but the sort of um, the uh, aesthetic taking on the whole midfield on himself thing, that's something that they, they both very much share together. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing um, Moussa Dembele often sort of turning in tight circles and getting himself out of trouble and then picking out a pass that no one else no one else saw and I looked at some Undombele uh, highlights on Scout, and I saw a bit of the same thing I saw some passes that he played that I didn't even see were on until the ball was like played by him and someone was through on goal there you go yeah uh, Ndombele definitely has uh, sort of a, a an exciting eye for three balls um, which is lovely to watch but mainly um, my excitement for him is about returning us to a position where we, we have control of midfield, which is something that we've been lacking. And it's something that is very crucial to Tottenham's uh, Pochettino style of play. What do you mean by control of the midfield? Do you mean literally having the ball or do you mean uh, shutting the opposition down? Is this, what, what specifically do you mean by that? <laughs> so um, both in terms of out of possession, um, counter-pressing the opposition to, to squeeze and suffocate the play from them and, and dominate position possession but also in terms of being able to um, progress the ball from the defensive line into the attacking line um, in a controlled manner in a in a um, so receiving a, a short sideways pass to the feet of Ericsson or or Delhi rather than sort of competing for the ball in a in a more 50 50 sense Got it. Okay, and then you mentioned Pochettino's sort of tactics, Pochettino's style of play. You've spent many years now watching a Spurs Pochettino team. How would you define what it is that Mauricio Pochettino is asking Tottenham to do? Well, yeah, control is, is the foundation. It's it's to um, make the entire game be played in the opposition half. Um, to 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 do that through physical means. Um, so to sort of bully the opposition. Um, to force the opposition to play the ball long or play the ball off the edges whenever they have it. Yeah, that's um, why I see forcing the long balls. And it's usually, I notice that Spurs never have tiny defensive midfielders. It's always big guys who will win headers after the long ball has been forced. Well, it has been historically, but now it looks like Harry Winks is going to be our oh. defensive midfielder for the season. Interesting. Um, well, yeah, which is a bit interesting. Um, it's not a huge concern. I definitely think that, you know, Wanyama to Winks is quite quite a stylistic difference yeah um but if you know it means that winks does a bit more of the progressing of the ball and it means that the center backs and and do a bit more of the winning of the ball i I think it should work out fine so you can carry one little guy as long as everybody else is can sort of win things i certainly hope so (laughs) and what sort of shape are we looking at i i think so I don't pay obviously I don't pay as much attention to Tottenham as you do, but I always find Spurs is not uh, they're not easy to predict the formation because Pochettino will will switch it up now and then. But what have you seen say in preseason in terms of uh, what what sort of shape Pochettino has been playing? So in the first two seasons, Pochettino was very uh, religiously stuck to a four-two-three-one, which is yeah. sort of uh, you know I have a number six, a defensive number eight. I have uh, an inside forward who plays on the left. I have an outside winger. You know, all of these. This is my exact thing, and it was the you know the 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 changeover from Southampton to Spurs was just a, a continuation of the exact same roles. Right. Um, and then we started to have some midfield issues. And then uh, Wanyama's inability to drop in between the centre-backs meant that we moved to a three-at-the-back system um, in the 17-18 season, uh, which was sort of just a way to solve issues. Uh, I think we played some of probably our best football in that shape. Um, And then midfield issues got even bigger and we moved to a (laughs) three-man midfield, right? Moussa Dembele left. So what happened is that because we didn't have Moussa Dembele to do all of that work, we we moved to a situation where we crammed the midfield to share out his duties so that because he was doing so much in terms of, as we were talking before, his defensive work and his ability to progress the ball, um, by turning to a three-man midfield, we could could share that out a bit more and, and try to 
um, re-delegate some of his tasks, right? So now we've brought in Ndombele, which should at least enable us to move to a two-man midfield. But it looks like Pochettino is quite keen on the diamond, which we have seen a lot of over the last season and a half, really. Um, I think that we very much, uh, with Ndombele in the squads, have the the choice to to switch back and forth from a two and a three man midfield. Um, it does look like the diamond is what we're likely to be leaning towards, at least at first. So, who goes where in the diamond? Is Harry Winks the the base of the diamond? So Winks at the base and Ndombele on the left of the diamond. Um, Sizoko, it looks like, on the right of the diamond. All right. Um, although. Possibly Ericsson or possibly uh, uh, Giovanni Lo Celso or Bruno Fernandez, and then um, Deli Ali is the the number ten behind uh, Kane and probably Son. Okay, so does that does that mean Eric Dyer missing out? Yeah, I think Eric Dyer has maybe regressed, but at the very best, he's sort of stalled. He's he stood still. Um, and it's weird that that can happen because, like, he was a talented young player, um, a, you know, an exciting, talented young player, putting in good performances under, in my opinion, one of the very best coaches in the world. And you would ex- assume that that is a, a recipe for success. But I guess sometimes, even in those circumstances, you are simply as good as you were ever going to be at the age of 22 for some reason. And it just doesn't just doesn't work for him. OK, so you're quite happy that Eric Dyer is just maybe, you know, a Spurs squad player, essentially. Um, yeah, and, and he has that again. versatility. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so there's a there's a benefit to having him in the squad for sure. I just I just don't think that he's he's a starting 11 quality player or we don't want him. We don't want to be in a situation where he is a starting 11 quality player. Got it. OK. And then in terms of uh, centre backs, can I assume that if it's a back four, it's uh, Vertonghen and Alderweireld and Davison Sanchez's third choice? Yes, I mean we do. We're we're not quite as um, we don't quite stick with our centre backs as as in such a dedicated method as, as most teams do. Like we're happy to rotate through them through different competitions. We're happy to pair any two of them really, even if that means two right footers and one of them plays on the left. Right. Um, it does seem like Alderweireld is on his way out eventually. You know, I've been hearing that for years. What what has been going on there? I've always been curious about what uh, why that is the situation. Well, his contract has been extended twice. We've had two different options on it. The second option was for this, this season coming, and it meant that he was available this summer for £25 million, and no one bought him. And I can't begin to explain why that hasn't happened to you, because it doesn't make any sense to me. No. Other than, I guess, he's he's free next season, and it means that he gets to, you know, raking the signing bonus. So it looks like it's probably his final year. For us, it seems very likely anyway. And I don't know if that is likely to correlate in less playing time for him. Um, but he's a very good defender. He might as well play him while we've got him. <laughs> yeah, use him if you got him, right? Um, what about, so this is for American listeners. Um, and You may not know, but Cameron Carter-Vickers. I, from what I've read, he hasn't yet gone on loan for the season. Are you expecting Cameron Carter-Vickers to, to be somewhere else by the time the season starts? I am expecting him to be somewhere else, and I think that it's most likely going to be a sale rather than a loan. I'm afraid for American listeners, I, 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 he's just not that great. I'm sorry. He he he's a very good defender. I think his limitations are more about his his technical ability on the ball, which is not to say that he's bad. But yeah, if you yeah. look, but he's just not. He's about, not Vertonghen, yeah. right? Absolutely, and that's it. We we are so much from our centre backs in terms of what they do on the ball, and he's he's you know he could have ten loans. He's not really going to develop into that kind of player. Um, in the meantime, we've bought Davison Sanchez, we've bought one Foyth, we've been linked with others. I don't. I think even if he doesn't get sold this summer because we haven't found someone, his, his time at Tottenham is, is coming to an end. Yeah, and no, I, I don't disagree with you because even among, say, American centre-backs, he's not even a starting centre-back, but um, the current US system is to sort of play from the back, a more possession-y, like Dutch-type system the US tries to play. And yeah. he's one of the weaker players in terms of, uh, you know, progressing the ball forward among American centre-backs. So for him to be competing with, yeah, Vertonghen and Alderweireld and Sanchez, it does seem like um, a stretch at the moment and yeah maybe ever so it is probably better for his career that he goes somewhere where he can be first choice there you go um so what okay let's get um specific about the center backs what what does pochettino like them to do with the ball say like say it's um say it's a goal kick yuris takes it short and gives it to a center back what are tottenham looking to do in possession building from the back um we're, we're very happy to take 
any route from the back wherever the space is that's where we're playing and that's um an example again of, of the requirements asked of the centre-backs is that they will play you know a very neat and tidy short passing game and suddenly if there's a, a gap for a long ball over the top they're also expected to ping a you know a massive pinpoint diagonal over the top so it, it's a big ask we, we're not afraid to to be direct we do like to you know play nice football and all of that but we're happy to start that because of our ability to to press the ball um with, with a long ball when it's time for that and i'm thinking of sort of different i'm trying to identify maybe patterns of play for spurs and like a thing i see that i that i really like is harry kane not just standing up there waiting for a ball to be aimed at him he will come deep and maybe connect and then spread it wide am, am, am i imagining that or is that something that harry kane does semi-regularly no 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 so he he um his academy career was as a number 10 right he he's played most of his career as a, as a second striker and he's definitely carried that with him as he's played as number nine and especially again now he's taken some injuries it, uh, Maybe not permanently, but it seems like most of the time that has affected his speed when he's continuously recovering from injury. Yeah. He's not at, at full fitness. So we've been playing this diamond. And so he operates as the deeper of the two forwards when he's partnered with, you know, a, a rapid player like Son or Lucas. He sort of sits in a little bit more. But even if he's playing up front on his own, he will come back and he'll get involved in the play. Yeah, that's why you never really see a game where Harry Kane is super quiet, right? Because he's never going to be frozen out of the game because he's always going to come, always going to come and find the ball. And I'm just, I'm always really impressed with his ability to sort of shield and turn. Like even though he doesn't have any of that acceleration to get away from people, it it just seems like he always eventually gets around someone. Yeah, I mean, we we've definitely seen over the last season that when he when he comes back from injury. And he's not a full fitness, but he's insisting on being played because he just cannot get enough of playing yeah. football. Say it's the Champions um, League final, for example. Yeah, well, exactly. The Champions League final is a perfect example. It's a game where he didn't come back. He didn't get involved to play. He just stayed off the last man's shoulder because he's he's um, cutting down on his task to, to focus his energy on getting two or three things done. Yeah. Um, which is to get in the box and score goals. Um, and yeah, he that really has a negative effect on his game. He really struggles to get involved when he's not able to force getting involved himself. Um, you know, Harry Kane has very little limitations to his game. He's an absolutely, truly outstanding player. Um, but when he can't come deep, it seems to really affect his ability to, to become involved in the game. And then when he does come deep, the thing I say I see is you then have like say Son, or I assume maybe Lucas Moura could also partner him, and it's kind of yeah. a, like a more modern version of the old big man fast man <laughs> yeah, combo. Definitely. And then it's like if Harry Kane comes deep, maybe he brings a centre back with him, and there's a bit more space for someone like Son Heung Min to uh, to exploit. And that's when you might see. But I'm, I'm basing this on what you said. That that's when you might see just that big diagonal from say Jan Vertonghen. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. I've got a, a Harry Kane video I made a couple of years ago focusing on all that sort of stuff. And what you'll continue to see is that, yeah, Harry Kane will come deep. He'll drag a centre-back with him. He'll play it to one of our own centre-backs. And that's when, bam, there's a runner in behind. And probably our off-the-ball movement as a team might be our, our strongest asset in that we've really drilled. There's always someone um, exploiting the space that is made at, at any one time. Where does Deli Ali fit into this? I, cause I'm fascinated by Deli Ali. I think he's a magnificent player. I really like his sort of like slightly spiky attitude, especially when he plays for England. Mm. I always think England needs a bit more of a bit, a bit more of that. Um, but no, th- there seems to be this thing where because he's not producing tons of goals and assists like maybe he did a couple of years ago, people think maybe he's not as effective as he was. And yet I see him be really influential in a game. But I still don't know if I had to choose his best position. I'm not sure that I could pinpoint it. And I- I'm really interested in what your thoughts are on where where Spurs and maybe England could get the most out of Deli Ali. So I'm planning to write about Delhi in the near future, and I don't want to give sort of all of what I'm going to say away. But Ooh, um, just a teaser, then. Just a little teaser. He um, he's an absolutely exceptional player. Um, he I would expect him to be starting most weeks. He's got a, a hamstring injury at the moment, but I'd expect him to be establishing himself again as a starter, as he pretty much consistently has been under Pochettino. Um, and I think that he will operate as a number 10 in or, or, you know, playing off the striker in a variety of different positions and formations. Um, 
getting in the box, scoring goals and getting assists. Now, last season, he wasn't doing it that because of the midfield issues we talked about earlier and that we were playing a three-man midfield. And so he was often operating as a central midfielder, which is, um, I think, developmentally, that can have done a lot of good for him, getting him involved in those areas more. That's something that uh, he can learn from. And uh, not that he hasn't ever played that before, but, you know, to do that at this stage of his career, then take those skills forward because I do think he developed his um, his build-up play, um, his sort of shorter passing game and all of that, yeah. playing midfield last season. I think he can take that forward. Um, so there, there's sort of the two eras of Deli Alli in that at first he um, could be quite negative to our play, but then he'd score a goal, right? He <laughs> would, you know, just do that thing where you were like, oh, Delhi's really off it today. He's got to come off. Oh, he's got yeah. a goal. Yeah. And, and then, so and then like, try, three, to... try three nutmegs and fail, but then eventually yeah, score a goal. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> And then he's sort of this last season gone to the exact opposite, whereas, oh, this is this is quite a decent midfielder that we're seeing here. This is, a you know, he's involved in the play positively. He's setting other people up. He's moving the ball smartly. He's got really outstanding defensive contribution, um, but he's not scoring goals. And so his stock went down massively last season, even though I, I he really impressed me. Um I, what I'm excited for, at least potentially excited for, is him combining those two things into one player where he is operating as a number 10, he's getting in the box and scoring goals, but he's also, outside of that, being a brilliant midfielder at the same time. So you think Spurs are getting essentially a more rounded player because his experience is deeper in midfield, but maybe a player that will get back to the sort of classic goals and assists just because he's playing, at least to begin the season, at the tip of that diamond? I think so. I mean, that's what I'm hopeful for. All right, that, that sounds good to me. I would happily watch that on Match of the Day. We interrupt this Spurs preview to talk to Mr. Taylor Rockwell. He's on vacation, but he's still appearing on the Total Soccer Show. Hello, Taylor. Hello. I'm reminded that the last time I was here uh, at the Beach House on vacation, you were seated across from me and we were recording World Cup things uh, at a fitness table. It was the 2014 World Cup, right? It sure was. Yeah. The idea, I thought about that at the time, like how, I remember like listening to like the radio on the way up and they were talking about like Louis Van Hall had just swapped in Tim Krull or out Tim Krull, I forget which one it was. And like the idea that we would be on the road for that happening, <laughs> like nowadays is a, uh, it's a strange world we live in. Things have changed. I guess. Things have yeah. changed. Uh, so you are here to record the SeatGeek ad with me, but also to give, give me your Spurs thoughts and questions. Uh, so, all right. First of all, today's show is sponsored by the fine and good-looking people at SeatGeek. They aggregate tickets from all over the internet, put them all in one place, so you can look at them and get the best deal possible. Which is always ideal, because you never want the worst deal possible. No. That would be the worst ticket site possible, I think. Yeah, SeatGeek instead yeah. gives you the best ticket at the best available price, especially for ones that have sold tickets, maybe for a little bit more, but uh, you, it's worth it, because you get to see the dream event, and SeatGeek you make that happen. It's Chair Nerd, which is their very unsuccessful rival, Chair Nerd. They give you the worst deal possible <laughs> at the worst possible price. You don't want to use Chair Nerd. You want to use SeatGeek. You can, you can tell them on vacation because I laughed at that. <laughs> you would have just stared at me angrily if you were, if you were in the office. Um, usually when this you're in the Island office... Taylor, this is Island Taylor, This is Island Taylor. Island <laughs> Taylor. He's way more relaxed. Um, yeah. Usually when you're in the office, you find me a SeatGeek event that you, you've looked through the SeatGeek yeah. listings and found an event to go to have you still done that i have still done yeah. that and I've, uh, I've i've gone the route of a game that i knew was happening that i was already like maybe maybe i want to go to that game oh yeah uh, next weekend you've got uh ellie galaxy traveling to audi fields to take on dc united uh, i think alexi lawless will be doing the commentary for that one so if you enjoy alexi i guess you can stay home and listen to him if you don't uh, enjoy it, Lexi. Then you can use Geek to get tickets and attend the game in person. Are you saying he's doing like the the color commentary, or he's in studio? He's he's doing the color commentary. Interesting. Okay, he he does that only semi regularly, right? Correct. Yeah, I want, I meant to talk to him about that when we interviewed him, just because I find that interesting. Right, that's not his main job, but he sometimes gets mm-hmm. parachuted in to do color commentary. <laughs> he he does, and I think yeah, yeah, he. He went there from Orlando, I think, and then he's got a few days, and then he's back yeah. in D.C. again, as is everyone's dream. Do you think it's like, Stu Holden's busy, we need you to do this? <laughs> I, mean, I think, I, I actually, I kind of asked that question. Um, he, I think Stu Holden and John Strong are doing, we're doing, I think, the Atlanta game, uh, Atlanta destroying uh, whomever they were playing, I forget who it was. Yeah. Uh, it, was a, it was the Galaxy. 
Oh, Kush, then, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were doing that game. And then uh, JP De La Camera and Lawless were doing the DC game this week. There we go. So if you want to see DC United versus LA Galaxy, you can go via the SeatGeek app and you can find yourself the best possible ticket price with the classic traffic light system. What Green, orange and red, they'll let you know what's a good deal and what isn't a good deal. You know which traffic lights it, are good, right? It, red just means breeze right through it, right? No, it does not. It means go. <laughs> um, if you do that, you go directly to jail. Oh, there it is. Okay, that's a different, different board game than my yeah. mistake. Um, but best of all, our listeners can get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase, uh, the official ticketing partner of Major League Soccer, we should add. Yeah. Uh, all our listeners need to do is download the app and enter the promo code TSS today. That's promo code TSS for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And SeatGeek, I don't have the copy in front of me, but I'm pretty confident the tagline is a ticket for every fan. SeatGeek, a ticket for every fan. And, and down with uh, Chair Nerd? And down with Chair Nerd, yeah. Don't go to yeah. Chair Nerd. <laughs> That's their unofficial, uh, unofficial policy as well. So, Taylor, let's get, let's get alliterative. Yes. Taylor, let's talk Tottenham. What are your, let's do it. What are your Tottenham thoughts and or do you have any questions that you want me to ask Nathan Clark at Tottenham Hotspur Exit, um, where listeners will be in the middle of the interview right now? I haven't recorded it yet, so this is all, this is all fresh to me. Um, well, I would like to know for sure that Fernando Llorente is no longer there before I make predictions about what will happen for Tottenham. <laughs> I double checked. I double checked. He was only in £100,000 a week. His contract expired and they said, be on your merry way. See, you say that, but he might just show back up to make me look a fool again because I <laughs> forgot about him last year when we were discussing uh, possible replacement options if Harry Kane got hurt. Yeah. Uh, he did end up playing a role, as did Lucas Mora, as did uh, Youngman Son. And I kind of don't really have that question as much anymore. Even though they haven't really strengthened, even though Urethe is gone, it just feels like Pochettino can kind of rotate some things around and change it up and yeah. they'll be okay. So, so the, the, the answer now is if, if Harry Kane is out, essentially they go to a, a pacey front two, right, uh, of uh, mm-hmm. Son and Lucas Mora. That's what we learned last season. Yeah. Um, and so, like, with that in mind, I guess the question I do have is a really, really boring and bad question. But <laughs> it's the honest truth. Um, my, my question is genuinely, like, what does success look like for Tottenham this season? Because okay. I, I don't know if the signing slash signings they've made so far really closes that gap on City and Liverpool if we expect them, those two teams, to have kind of a similar season or at least be similarly strong yeah. to what they were last year. So you're saying so maybe t- title challenges may be a little too far away? But yeah, potentially. I mean, that's what I would say. I'm curious to hear what an expert would say. So then the question is, like, is it closing the gap? Is it going, like, is it winning the Champions League? Is it winning the FA Cup? Like, what sort of, like, how do you kind of keep that motivation because it feels like Tottenham are that next like that next tier down but like the top of that tier but is that something that fans are going to be okay with this season now that kind of the stadium is settled the roster seems a little bit more settled Pochettino's still there they've held on to the big pieces so kind of where does this season go that makes it a success in the end okay I will ask that to Nathan what is success this season my guess is maybe mm-hmm. he'll say finish in top four right I think we're in that territory of Champions yeah. League qualification is the be-all and end-all because it, it makes the finances work. Yeah, it, it is, and, and that's totally true, and, and we all like know that that's the narrative of, like, oh, the player won't sign because they don't have Champions League football. But like having been a, a fan of a team who were not challenging for the title but were in that top four race, if you're sort of outside looking in, then it's exciting. Then, like, oh, can we do it? Can we do it? Can we do it? But if you're Tottenham and you're comfortably top four, which I think they will be, I do then wonder, like, okay, we're comfortably top four, but we're not quite challenging for the title. Like, is that still an exciting, successful season? Or is it more of a, like, yeah, okay, that season went about as well as we thought it would? I mean, my argument would be that nobody really is comfortably top four because there are six teams that want to be top four, right? You've got Man United and Arsenal finished outside the top four last season. They'll both be planning to be back in there. Mm -hmm. So it's no... It's not like the old days where you really could take for granted that we're the big four and we qualify every season. I mean, I'm just trying to talk uh, Tottenham into doing that so they get complacent <laughs> and we see what happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I take your point. It just it, it does feel like that to me, at least right now. Now, obviously, I've done less research than you have, uh, at least at the moment. Uh, but I would like assume that it's safe to say, like, City, Liverpool will continue to do City and Liverpool things. Yeah. So then I just I look at that Tottenham team. It's like, yeah, that that to me is the third best team. I, you're absolutely right. You can't take anything for granted. But, like, if they look like the third best team and then they finish third, is that, like, yeah, they've met expectations, so here we are. So, again, it's kind of a boring perspective, but it's also sort of, like, where Tottenham are, which is, like, 
boringly competent, maybe. Yeah. Maybe this is Island Taylor. His takes are far too relaxed. There's no, there's no fire coming from your takes. Do you, do you have any, any fire takes or any, uh, or any other questions? And it's, it's perfectly okay if you don't. I mean, I think, I think I'm a little bit more up on uh, Tottenham than I was this time last year. And I think Dombele, which is how I'm going to pronounce that until I'm told otherwise, he's a major reason for that. Because we saw, again, like Pochettino can make do with what he's got. Sissoko can play there or Wanyama can step in. But like... I, in terms of like 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 filling uh, spots on the field, but I, I feel like that's a player that they're bringing in who elevates the squad and isn't sort of a like for like replacement, yeah, uh, or maybe is a like for like replacement for like Moussa Dembele five years ago. And I feel like that's sort of uh, puts Tottenham into a stronger position. And I think when you've got sort of like a big piece like that brought in that I think will fit in pretty successfully pretty quickly, it makes me more confident for their season. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll talk about this more with Nathan, but I, I looked at some Scout highlights to get a feel for Dombele, mm-hmm. and I saw someone who had the defensive midfield side of the game down, like he would break play up and be a destroyer. But then with the ball, he had some moves he could get out of danger, and he could see passes that no one else could see. So that's, uh, that's bad news for Victor Wanyama. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, and I'm like... Any good news for Tottenham? Do you remember um, at our live show recently uh, with the Cooligans and like Jason Davis and Pablo Mar when we were asked that sort of question about like how come you guys don't get like a lot of like vitriol and hate thrown your way? Oh yeah, and yeah. we were sort of laughing at the time because they were all loudly making like definitive declarative statements that were sort of inflammatory, and then wondering <laughs> like why don't you guys get this? And we were just sitting there quietly. Like I, I, I feel like Tottenham have this weird power to do that when it comes to transfers that like. They they just know that it's a twenty four hour news cycle, I guess. But like they keep having all of these players and coaches linked with moves away, and then they just kind of like don't do anything for like two days, and then suddenly it's you know, will you know Zlatan return to the Premier League or something, and then we just yeah. move on and kind of forget that that like every single one of their outfield players has been linked with a move away, and as has their manager, so that they're kind of still where they are, as strong as they are, having weathered all of the rumors and remongering, I think, uh, again, it makes me a little bit more confident for uh, Tottenham. So maybe success is Christian Eriksen not moving on. There we go. That's it. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. <laughs> all right. I think that's enough Tottenham talk from Taylor. Um, that's how, probably true. Ooh. How would you like to talk about the things that go around your waist? And I'm not, <laughs> I, I would... I would I, I would love to do that because uh, here's, here's why I would love to talk about group six belts. Also, oh, no, I, was, right I, was, I was talking about my arms. <laughs> I mean, that's only in my dreams right now, dude. Yeah, as only you, in my dreams. As you, lean off, as you lean off the front of the boat and open your arms wide. <laughs> and then I whisper to you, I'm flying? Is, yeah. that, is, is that how it goes? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. See, I like that, I like that Island Taylor brings about, I guess, the, I guess uh, fantasy Daryl. Is that <laughs> <Yeah>. what happened <laughs> here? Homoerotic <laughs> Daryl. good. <laughs> but I'll say this uh, about um, today's other sponsor, Group 6 Belt. Yeah. Uh, we love we love Group Six. We talked about them uh, many times. They've got like the webbing that holds the belt. Like like and then when the buckle comes through, yep. you've got to badge your teeth. It's impossible to to get undone until so you want it undone. And yeah. uh, having been in the ocean today with the like drawstrings at my age are slightly unforgiving because either <laughs> they like cinch in and then they like hold the pants in place, but now suddenly like maybe they've pressed down in some areas that you don't want pressed down and pushed other areas out, and that's not a great look either. But if you don't have the drawstring. When it hits you, now you're making a scene at the beach. If you have the Grip Six belt, they secure they secure it nice and smooth. It's got like like the uh, the belt that isn't going to be like heavy. It's very lightweight. It's not going to dig in. It's not going to be a burden. I feel like Grip Six needs to invest in swimwear belts. Wow, I didn't think about this, but the Grip Six belt really could go in the ocean, right? Because it can't oh, really, absolutely it could can't really get damaged, and it's nice and lightweight. And it doesn't have all the downside of drawstrings. I personally hate drawstrings because after they're wet yep. and they're tied really tight and then they're wet, I just can't undo them. I absolutely oh, yeah, cannot that, that, undo them. That's a job. That is a job for scissors. It's, yeah, to cut myself out. <laughs> so there we go. We found an unexpected extra benefit of Grip6 belts. Our listeners will notice that we, we haven't talked about Grip6 belts for a little while because we've been, we've been off, right? We've only done so many shows yeah. per week. So I'm really excited that Grip6 Grip six, excuse me, are back and advertising on the show. Uh, they're also the official belt of Sigma Six, uh, of which <laughs> of which Alec Baldwin is a part. <laughs> That's good to know. I did not know that. I'm, I'm, I'm always. Uh... Happy to learn things. They're also the uh, possessions of the Garen Dam T, I do believe. Yeah, that one's real. Sigma 6 was not real. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, but there is, 
What's the? Uh, there's the marketing one that I was like, maybe Alec Baldwin's part of that. I don't know. That could be. <laughs> I'm talking about Jack Donaghy. Isn't he part of? Doesn't he do the Sigma Six training? In oh, he's, six, he's a six. He's a six Sigma black belt. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, mistake. and of course the yeah. black belt is the Grip Six belt. Uh, hair grip, I think, is actually one of the tenets of the six. <laughs> so there you go. Hair strength, maybe, might be the one. Hair strength. Um, <laughs> speaking of spending strength, if you would like yeah. to get a discount on Grip Six belts, you can go to gripsix.com/tss, and there you will find one an instructional video on how the badger teeth work, um, and also you, you'll see a deal to get more than thirty percent off um, a three pack of Grip6 belts. If you want to buy just the one belt, which I understand if you only want the one belt, um, you can instead use the discount code TSS, then XX for 20. TSSXX for 20% off an individual Grip6 belt. There we are. So we very much appreciate Grip6 sponsoring today's episode. We appreciate Grip6 doing all the things that they do, including theoretically holding up my swim trunks. <laughs> if I can find a way to make that happen. Yeah, please let me let me know how it goes. I would genuinely be interested. It might be something I could use in the future. Taylor, thanks for coming on and talking Spurs and Seek Geek and Grip6 with me. Dale Grove, my pleasure. The Grip6 belt may hold, hold the uh, swimwear up, but it won't be anywhere <laughs> soft in your arms wrapped around my hips. And don't, and don't venture too far into the sea because I'll be calling you back later to talk some Chelsea Football Club. I shall do my best. I also want to ask about Eric Lamella. What, he seems to me like a massive riddle because he always hmm. looks magnificent whenever I see him and yet he ends up seemingly not playing that many games. Is, what's the big reason for Eric Lamella not being a week-in, week-out starter for Tottenham? So we are recording today on the 5th of August, which yep. is, uh, for Eric Lamella, the very best day of the year. He, uh, <laughs> he loves pre-season. He's never not dominated a pre-season the entire time he's been at Tottenham. Um, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, the first one is that simply he suffers with injuries a huge amount and he just happens to not be injured during pre-season. Um, he, he, he's repeatedly been out for very long period of time and when he comes back he takes months and months and months to build it back up which is obviously really disruptive to his rhythm whereas you know Harry Kane might take a couple of games or Deli Alli might take a couple of games when they've been now injured Mela takes a long time and it really it completely resets him every time um, the other thing I think that is that he um, is suited to a slower tempo of game. He himself is quite rushed and hurried, but I think he needs that that extra second on the ball to be left alone, and then he can decide what to do with it. Right. And, and preseason being played at a slower tempo really suits him. Um, but so we talked about the sort of variety of formations we went through before, and I feel like he also just sort of missed out in that regards that he was the one cut from the team in his absence and then he comes back and there's maybe only two positions for him or one position for him he's not getting in ahead of Ericsson or Delhi and and that's that oh so maybe when it was more like a 4-2-3-1 there were wing positions available for him and now those aren't there yeah I mean also you know he still failed to perform brilliantly filling in or as a sub he probably needs consistent games he might be that type of player um it is he's in the fifth year of Tottenham now and it, it's weird to to continue to be talking about him as this sort of periphery player he had one outstanding season in 15-16 um, where he you know he was very much a first 11 player and there's not really any reason why he can't continue to give performances like that um, ideally you know to give those performances whilst being a squad player whilst playing you know once a week once every two weeks in a variety of positions coming off the bench. If we can get that player out of him, then he's outstanding, but it, it keeps being put on pause. It keeps being put on delay by his, his injuries and whatever else is going on. And that's frustrating when his place could in the squad potentially be filled by, uh, not that he's old, but a young player with, with, with promise who we could be bringing through. Got it. Um, I've noticed, we, I mean, we've been talking for, what, 30, 34 minutes or so. We haven't really talked about Christian Eriksen, which is in many ways weird because to me, he is the absolute key member of this entire team. Um, I mean, would you agree that if and when, but if Christian Eriksen left, that this whole Spurs team would be in trouble? Uh, I'm personally terrified. Um, it, it seems very likely that he will have left the club before the, at least before the the Spanish window closes, if not the English, because he's also being linked to Man United. Um, 
we are heavily, heavily linked to Giovanni Lo Celso and uh, Bruno Fernandes, who are both very good players. You know, uh, in uh, isolation, these were two potential signings to be incredibly excited by. But the context is that they are potential replacements for Ericsson leaving. Yeah. And in that regard, they're both a step down because I think Ericsson is one of the very best players in the world. Yeah. And... Why, what is going on there? Why isn't he talked about in the same breath as like superstars? It just seems like he's somehow under the radar, yet everybody knows how good he is. And I, I absolutely do not understand it. I feel like there's some weird, there's just something weird going on there. It's hard to explain the sort of exterior perception of Ericsson, but he's definitely dramatically underrated by Spurs fans. Oh, really? Themselves. Yeah, yeah, big time. He. So we talked about midfield issues a lot, and I think he's greatly suffered from that. I talked about, you know, uh, both Moussa Dembele and Ndombele being players who can deliver the ball via a sideways pass to feet in a calm situation. I think Ericsson needs that. He's not. He's not the type to... To, to make things happen on his own. He's not the type to sort of grab a game by the horns. If if Spurs aren't in control of the game, then he is a bit of a passenger. Um, and that's a perfectly legitimate criticism to have of him. You know, if he was an even better player than he is, he would force action. He would find a way to make it happen. He's not really that player. He's sort of a bit soft physically and, and mentally in that regard. But when Tottenham do have control of the game, which has been quite often, maybe not in the last year, but historically under Pochettino, he's absolutely magic. He he just churns out the chances. He makes the team tick. He, you know, provides the opportunity to provide the opportunity. He's, he's absolutely magic. And um, it, it would certainly be a shame to lose him, but it will be an even worse shame to lose him on such poor terms. Yeah. Is the problem not... I don't mean this in a bad way, but the problem with the perception of him is maybe a lack of arrogance from Christian Eriksen. Because I can imagine another player being at Spurs, say Gareth Bale even, when when he was there, and just demanding to play number 10 because I'm the best player. I want the whole thing arranged around me. And yet I've seen over the years Christian Eriksen play like deep, almost defensive midfield, almost have to play like a number eight. I've seen him just be happy to take a spot on the right wing here and there. And I even remember Gareth Bale towards the end of his time, he was like, no, I want to be the, you know, the fulcrum of the attack. I want to be the central attacking midfielder. And it seems like Ericsson never really demands that, or at least based on, based on where Pochettino plays him, he hasn't demanded it behind the scenes. I don't think that's harmful to him. I think that he can absolutely thrive on the right, even though he shouldn't be able to do that. He absolutely thrives playing in a deep role because he can get on the ball earlier and and, and make things happen that way. I, I don't think that any sort of positional thing hurts him. Certainly he has like a, he's not lacking for confidence, but he's not like, he's not carrying any swagger. He's very, yeah. he's very, he's a very icy figure. I feel like the entire time he's been at Tottenham, like I really, really appreciate him as a player, but I think he's a hard player to love because he doesn't, you know, he's never going to kiss the badge. Yeah. He's never going to be shouting or screaming. He, he turns up for work. He does his job <laughs> and he clocks out, you know, yeah. and that, you know, there's, there's plenty. I can totally respect that. You know, he's got, even if he goes on to Real Madrid, I can see him being just as icy cold because this is a job for him and that's fine. It is a job. If I was playing football every single day since I was a kid, you'd probably feel the same way. And I don't don't hold that against him at all. I th- you know, he's he's down to business, but hey, he, he delivers, dude. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. But what I think is that lack of swagger, even though it's something I admire, is what stops you being like sure. this global superstar because... On some level, like the sponsors want swagger as well, right? They want to make you Absolutely. the face of campaigns because because you make an expressive face or you have a crazy hairstyle. Whereas I couldn't even tell you what Christian Eriksen's hairstyle is. Uh, he has a hairdresser girlfriend and he was balding by the age of 22 and he has a, had a very blatant hair transplant. So oh, has he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. He was, he was bald at like 21. He was like, <laughs> he had like, what's that? The sort of the old, like the reverse monk situation where yes. like he's got a massive, really receding hairline at a young age. And then suddenly he came back one summer with a full head of hair that's never gone away. So did not uh, know that. Did not know go. that. Um, one of the final questions I have for you um, is about youth players. You mentioned like maybe Lamella spot could be taken by an up-and-coming youngster. Is there anyone that we should be, uh, any names that we should be keeping an eye out for this year, like young Spurs players coming through? 
Um, well, if you're still including Kyle Walker-Peters as a young player and that's up for debate, then um, it looks like there are going to be minutes for him at the very least. Um, uh, Josef Tanganga has really impressed in preseason, the centre-half, but I, I feel like there aren't going to be a huge amount of minutes for him. I think that he's probably a season or two out from being that ready, but who has impressed me? And I think... Uh, another Spurs fans and is also likely at least at the moment to be in for some minutes is Troy Parrott. He's only 17, um, but he's really stood out in preseason and he's doing it as a centre forward, which is, is a role that we lack depth for, even though both Son and Lucas can play that role. They also play it wide. Um, yes. Yeah, he, he's he's 17. So you, like we've got to remain calm. He's got plenty of time to try and break the first team, but it's also very plausible that he will be getting a good number of minutes this season. So his name was Troy Parrott. Yeah, Troy yeah. Parrott, he's uh, Irish. And it, it occurs to me that um, since Llorente has left, right, his uh, contract expired and he's no longer there, there is no sort of classic striker like to, to back up Harry Kane at all, right? So there's a, so I assume there's a gap there for Troy Parrott to, to, uh, to fly into. Yeah, so uh, it's that sort of shuffling from the back thing. So um, greater depth in midfield means greater depth in attacking midfield and greater depth in attacking midfield means that um, Sutton and Lucas will play less minutes in attacking midfield and are freed up to operate as forwards. So, oh, right. um, But that, you know, it, it may well, especially if we're playing two at a time, which is likely something that we're going to be doing, uh, you know, two forwards at a time in, in a diamond, um, it's absolutely plausible for there to be minutes for him. Lovely. And then what about, um, I think I've got his name right, Marcus Edwards. There's a, it's a guy that I remember playing for some England youth teams. He was very, very sort of dribbly and attacky. Is he still considered a hot prospect or have things gone sideways for Marcus Edwards? Uh, he is considered a hot prospect by me. Um, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Marcus Edwards. I think he did brilliantly uh, last season on loan at Excelsior. Um, but he very much appears to be not in Pochettino's or the club's plans. Um, I'm I'm really big on him, but um, for for personality conflicts and um, I don't know what's going on in training because I'm not there. But for whatever reason, um, neither the club nor the manager want him and and he seems to be on the way out somewhere or other which is a real shame i really like him but um it doesn't look it's going to work out for him at tottenham do you mean on the way out like a loan move or on the way out permanently i think if it's on loan then it's a loan ahead of a permanent or it's just because we haven't managed to find a a buyer sort of thing uh, you know and then Josh Onama is a guy that I remember being really impressed with, I think for England under 20s in 2017. Um, I know he was on loan at, I want to say, Villa last year. Um, is he back with the first team squad and should he expect any minutes this year? It is very much a similar situation to Edwards. Um, yeah, he's definitely a talented player, but um, even though Pochino has played him a, a fair amount, he doesn't seem very keen on him and is happy for him to go, which, yeah, again, is a shame. I don't think he's quite the the excitement uh, talent as Edwards is but he's he's definitely a, a good young player and it's a shame to, that he's he's not in Pochettino's plans but you just sort of have to you know accept this is part of the package that comes with Pochettino he's done so much for the club even when he you know he turns down a good player that's come from the academy it's a shame but you just have to accept it really so do you feel like he doesn't do like he's not committed to bringing young players through or is it that the say say with the Cameron Carter-Vicker situation where the standard of player coming through just isn't going to be as good as what's already there so so why do it yeah i mean definitely there are high demands like you're not like you can produce good players from your academy you can produce premier league players which we have to take a step back and remember is such like a an elite of the elite of the elite yeah and still not be a top six player right um there's also the the sort of the specific demand i think pochino has a reputation for bringing through youth that is like not um undeserved because hey look harry kane Harry Winks, Danny Rose, you know, even Ryan Mason and so on. It's like he's brought through some good players, um, but he's also failed to bring through some good talents. So it's it's mixed. And and the players he has brought through, you know, Winks is the big example here, is that like he took like three, four seasons to become a regular. Yeah. He takes He's brought them through slowly, which is fine if that's what's best for their development. But it can be frustrating for fans when, you know, like this season, like with right back, why wasn't Kyle Walker-Peters getting minutes last season when we, when we needed to him to get experience? Uh, okay, final couple of questions. What, one is the stadium. Like, how big of an impact do you think it will have to spend the whole season in the new stadium? Um, 
as a fan, it's been an incredible experience. So I went to the opening and I was disappointed. I, I was underwhelmed. Um, but I've been back a couple of times since then and I've sat in the stand and oh my goodness, it's 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 a beautiful, beautiful stadium. Um, but it's also an incredible experience. It, it's really special. How that you know transfers to, to players want to come play in the stadium. They like to say that they do. Maybe it plays a role. I, I'm I'm less convinced, but um, it, it will have a significant impact on revenue. Um, and I think that uh, this is possibly a bit of a tangent off. I think that perhaps. TV money is going to begin to decrease in the next few years and clubs will be slightly more reliant on, on stadium revenue and we've got a, a really important footing in it, a really important time there. Um, but apart from anything else, it's it's really good to go to and I like that. <laughs> what, what about, here's a theory for you, the lack of spending over the last two or three years is is the stadium to blame for that? Is it a case of we've got to put money aside to pay for the stadium so we can't we can't make a load of signings? They say no. They say uh, they use the term ring fence. The stadium money is ring fenced. They say, um, which, which essentially is in the form of we take out a bunch of loans that for the stadium, which is not something you're going to be doing for you know buying a bunch of players. That's all a bit sort of um, early two thousands Leeds kind of stuff, <laughs> um, but. When at the moment we signed two players in two years and we built a stadium. So as a fan, it's very hard not to look at the incoming list, look at the stadium, look at the incoming list, look at the stadium and go, yeah. hmm, there's something going on here. Um, I don't know. I, I think that there are potentially other reasons you know, for the lack of transfer activity. And when we have spent, you know, Ndombele, £55 million, that's a, a huge our next biggest signing after that is Davinson Sanchez at 40 and next biggest after that I think is Sun at 22 you know so it's not like the players we're bringing in we're bringing in for pennies I think it's more about a, a change in approach fair enough fair enough and then the final question actually comes from my co-host Taylor who's on vacation this week and I had a quick conversation with him and he basically wanted to know what does success look like for Spurs this year? Because we talked at the top of the show about how maybe a title challenge, assuming Liverpool and Man City, you know, turn it on again, is is maybe a bit of a maybe a bit of a stretch. So, what what would be a successful season for Tottenham Hotspur this year? We want to have fun and we want to enjoy watching our team play. I think if we take a step back, so I think our best season as a club in modern history was the seventeen eighteen season. If we can repeat that. Um, we can be proud of ourselves. And in that season, we challenged for the title. And like, like I said before, that's not necessarily something that we have that much influence over. If we can put in a really good season ourselves to be proud of where we beat most teams, whatever goes on with City and Liverpool, that's that's whatever. Yeah, if we can challenge for the title, that would be exciting. If we can win the title, that's incredible. Um, but that it's more about them than it is about us. And again, with the Champions League, we are, and Pochettino has made it very clear, those are the two trophies we're interested in. That's what we're about as a club now. Um, and we just have to continue to chase them. All we can do is, you know, be proud of ourselves, get to the quarterfinals, semifinals, get to the final, win it, you know, push on, have a, uh, record a high number of wins. If we can win the FA Cup, there's sort of a, um, a cherry on top to that. <laughs> that's brilliant. And, and, and to break a, a trophy deadlock, that's brilliant. But our, our focus is is continuing to be in consideration for the two big trophies. That makes sense. That makes sense. And then, actually, if you'll permit me one final question. Um, this is mostly out of curiosity, and it's just about you. As a Spurs fan, how invested are you in the North London derby in terms of whether that makes or breaks the season? Like, Could you suffer two horrible defeats to Arsenal, but finish like second and make a really good title run and maybe win the FA Cup? Would you be fully happy with that? Would you take those Arsenal defeats if it meant success elsewhere? Yeah, I think it would. I think it's probably easier to say that now than it is in like the week going up to North <laughs> London Derby. I yeah. think that like I think the North London Derby meant more to us three, four years ago than it does now. I think that um I think we've overtaken Arsenal as a club and that very much changes your perspective on just two games that don't at all dictate your season. Right, yeah, yeah. So if you if Arsenal are doing way better and maybe Spurs weren't qualifying for the Champions League, mm. I can see how it's like, oh yeah, at least we beat them. So we got like it's like punching from from below, right? But if you're level or slightly ahead, which last season's league table says, what one place ahead, uh, then I can I can see from your perspective why it becomes 
I'm guessing still important, but less important to your overall happiness. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely still important. It's never not going to be important. But like West Ham's entire season is built around two games against us. And we don't like even think about it until it comes around, you know. <laughs> oh, you might have just lost us some West Ham listeners. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> is, there, is there anything about Spurs that I haven't asked you about that you think is kind of like an important thing for the upcoming season? Uh, no, I, th- I, think, I think you've done a lot, mate. Yeah, it was an exhaustive list of questions, right? Uh, <laughs> if people want to follow you more, I can tell people can, they can follow you on Twitter at Nathan A. Clark, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, we talked earlier, you said you, you also do a podcast, right? So would you mind uh, just promoting your podcast to our listeners a little bit? You might get some more American so, listeners. I am on, I'm a, a co-host of the Tottenham podcast, The Extra Inch, which I believe are at The Extra Inch on Twitter. But, you know, if you search The Extra Inch, you'll find us somewhere. Um, yeah, more of this kind of stuff a couple of times a month maybe more at the moment why is it called the extra inch is that uh, some obscure <laughs> Tottenham reference that I don't know about so uh, we are we were originally a sister podcast to the fighting cock so we became the extra inch of the fighting cock I see um, and, and now we're sort of maybe a little bit more going our own way with that but we've kept the name um, and we're still very much friends in fact two of our members are members of the fighting cock as well so understood do you also do some writing yeah, yeah, I write a fair amount. It's been a quiet summer for me, to be honest. I thought I'd, um, with there being like no Men's World Cup and everything, I thought I would like give myself a little bit of a break from football. So I haven't written a huge amount over the summer, um, but the season's kicking back in again. So I'll be writing all over the place. Yeah, well, so you mentioned you were about to write something about uh, Delia Lee, right? Do you know, can you tell us where we'd be able to find that if we wanted to read it? Uh, no, because I, <laughs> I, I haven't, um, finalized it. So I can't be sure where that's going. I, see. I, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be like, it's going to be in this place. And yeah. then like, maybe it all falls apart. All right. You don't want to say you'd be on the front page of the guardian, but then, but then yeah. you can't find it. All right. So if people follow you on Twitter, they will eventually, I assume, see a link to that story wherever it may appear. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I'll close by saying, Nathan, thank you for taking the time to talk to me about Tottenham today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. And I'll be saying this to everybody that I talk to for, for Premier League previews, but best of luck to Tottenham this season. 